Every composer knows the anguish and despair occasioned by forgetting ideas, which one had no time to write down. Hector Berlioz. You're listening to Writing Roots, brought to you by Aspen House Publishing. Welcome to Writing Roots. I'm Lee Hull. And I'm Lee Esses. And today we are accompanied by Travis Michelle. And he is what we consider a renaissance man. He is an artist in every capacity of the word. He is a cartoonist as well as an actor, a singer, and what else? What am I forgetting? A composer and chef. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So people have this image of artists. Hats, very much like the one you're wearing. Tattoos, very much like what you're boasting right now. Paint on the jeans and barefoot as much as possible. How much of that is true? All of it is true. I have my coffee addiction. My coffee is uh, right now next to my computer that I'm currently working on a score for a local film director. I'm having a blast doing it. But yes, to answer your question, I am wearing, I believe the technical term for the hat is a Gatsby. And uh, I love to wear flip-flops. I'm always wearing flip-flops, which essentially is being barefoot. And uh, as far as the clothing go, I seem to dress really nice. I like to dress nice. You have the largest collection of pink shirts between anybody I know, both male and female. Just yeah. everyone across the board, you have more pink shirts than them. Because it looks great in my skin tone. So does these, uh, these seafoam green shorts I'm currently wearing right now. And that... Friends is what an artist would say is their seafoam. <laughs> what, 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 what would you call it? Blue. Well, that's not. A, it's got blue and green in it, and it's kind of iridescent in a way. So it's a... Anyhow, next question. <laughs> but no, I do have uh, another one you didn't mention is uh, most artists have, and this is true, you can look through history books, have some unique facial hair design that characterizes them. And I have my pointy devil beard that curves up. It's a goatee without the handlebar mustache part. Poor starving artist, is that a thing? It is for an artist who doesn't prioritize their life. I know when I got into this field that it's not going to make me lots of money. So I'm glad that I have another skill to fall back on. If it doesn't make you money, why do you do it? I love it. There, There is a joy of creating something. Same with my cooking. I'm creating something, in some cases from scratch, but also using recipes, and there's music recipes, tropes and progressions and things like that. But there's something that I get out of creating something brand new and having someone try it, either listening, tasting, seeing, and I get enjoyment out of their reaction and their enjoyment of it. If they don't like it, then I learn from that experience. Music, cooking, anything I do... And I think that's what makes a good artist a good artist is to do their best they can into an idea, get it out there, see what the audience thinks, and then take that feedback positive, no matter if it's a negative or a positive feedback. Take it back and go, okay, they didn't like it because of this. Perfect. Write notes, take it down, and we'll fix that next time. That's very much the same attitude that self-published authors need to have. That understanding that this isn't going to make them millions of dollars, but always keep writing, always keep going, because that's the passion, that's what you love. And then take that constructive criticism and work with it, get better with it. Exactly, yeah. Right now, and you know, I don't live in Hollywood or New York, so I'm not out in the big pool of Hollywood composers. 
I do hope to be in that area someday, but I can't give up. Speaking of the artist mind, is there a mindset that you need to have to approach your job? Yes. The main one that I think works for me is always know that you're never done learning. And I think a lot of people, oh, I know all there is to know about such and such subject. And they just kind of stop there. On the way here, listening to music on my radio, I'm learning. That, hey, that's a new chord progression I haven't tried yet. I like that. Hey, what instrument is that? I need to write that down. I need to remember. So always remember to keep learning. Never give up learning. You're never, ever going to know everything ever. Even to the last day of whatever your craft is, you're still learning. And all the greats will tell you the same thing. It's okay to be proud of your work, but don't be conceited. What was your first film score project and what did it look like? So my first project that I ever did was for a local director who is now in Hollywood, but he is a stuntman, professional stuntman. And he had this project, him and his friends, you know, he was 19, I think I was 20, 21. And I wrote this opening theme to his action karate movie. I had a roommate at the time and I played him the movie and he goes, hmm. And I go, well, check out the score. He goes, oh. And it, it was at that moment I realized, okay, I might be good at this. If I made this 19-year-old kid's movie sound or look better just from music, that maybe I should do this. I think a lot of people in the industry credit John Williams with making Star Wars palatable, A New Hope. Watch it without the music and you'll understand. Yep. <laughs> so we did have a question from a listener who wanted to know if film composers conduct their own orchestra when it's being recorded for the movie score? The answer is yes and no. John Williams does conduct his own. Danny Elfman doesn't conduct his own because he doesn't have skills in conducting. Conducting is a skill. You don't just go up there and wave your hands and hopefully things happen. Uh, but yes, to answer the question, it's up to the composer themselves. Now, the composer will be at every recording making notes as it's happening. And this is a known fact. You see it all over documentaries and whatnot that you see the composer at this giant soundboard, which I guarantee you he doesn't know how to use, with this giant score in front of him making notes with a pencil. Because that's he's there. He's making music. And there has been times when a composer won't like something. And the last place to change it is at the recording. Because after it's recorded, it's done. It's going to the movie. Now, nowadays... With the invention of the D-A-W, the DAW, a lot less orchestras are being used and a lot less conductors are being used, things of that sort. What is a D-A-W? A D-A-W stands for Digital Audio Workstation. So there are a lot of big names that come to my mind as someone who just likes movies. Who would you say are the game changers in the industry of film scoring? That's a good question. A lot of it depends on the listener. Uh, my favorite composer, film score composer, has always been James Horner. And he did Avatar and... Titanic, a lot, of, a lot of movies. Everyone likes John Williams because he's John Williams. I do appreciate John Williams' music. Hans Zimmer is a name that comes up a lot. And he wrote some amazing scores when he started. 
but then he was one of the innovators. I don't know if he was the creator, but he was one of the innovators of creating the DAW. And because of him, the music industry, film score industry, I should say, has changed a lot. So I don't know if there is any one composer that could be singled out like that. John Williams created bombastic hero triumphant movies. Danny Elfman is known for his spooky circus type music. James Horner's known for his beautiful melodies who always get songs sung by Celine Dion. And then Howard Shore, oh man, him and Michael Chiacchino can pretty much do any score. Uh, Howard Shore did uh, Silence of the Lambs, but then he also did Lord of the Rings. Two completely different scores, but all well done. They're well-known names, but no actual like innovators, I guess you can say, you know? So... Who would you recommend authors go and look up to learn more about the industry? Who do you recommend they study to understand more about the mentality behind film composition? Funny enough, with today's technology, I learn a lot from YouTube. I can go to YouTube and type in anything. Top five composers. Boom, it tells me. But before YouTube, when I was learning about film score and film score composers, I actually purchased textbooks. One of my favorite ones is the 20th Century Minimalist Composers. It's a huge textbook, and it talks about the four, Lamont Young, Steve Reich, Terry Riley, Philip Glass. These are the four minimalist composers from that era. But on the other hand, one of my favorite things to do is to go see a really obscure movie and then listen to the score and then at the wait, you know, wait for the credits and see the guy's name. And So I know we've talked about the dog. Is there any other lingo that an author should know if they're going to write a music composer character to make that character more authentic? One that I've heard you talk about before is Mickey Mousing. Can you explain what that is? Mickey Mousing was a term given to music that follows the actions on scene. And the reason why it was called Mickey Mousing was because it started with Steamboat Willie. All the Warner Brothers cartoons, all the music is by Carl Stalling. And he was one of the best Mickey Mousers around. So essentially, if a person's walking, the composer would do that. He'd put pizzicato strings and go, bloom, 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 bloom. If someone's going up a ladder, they're going down a ladder. If they're going fast, they would do things like that. Essentially, you're scoring the action on the scene, every action that you see. Okay, well, I think that about wraps it up here. Thank you so much for joining us. I think this has been a lot of really good information for our listeners. So if you do want to contact Travis. Instagram is a good place to reach me. Facebook isn't very popular with me these days. My handle is Composing Chef. It's funny is if you Google Composing Chef, I should come up on every. But my name is Travis Michelle and Michelle is spelled M-I-C-H-E-A-L. But on YouTube, you can find me there. Soundcloud.com slash Travis Michelle is my main music page. And... My Instagram handle is Composing Chef. You can contact me there as well. We'll include links to these on the landing page for this episode. Perfect, yeah. Well, I think you can sort of understand more than most of our interviewees our tagline for this podcast, because as a composer, you are writing music. That means even though you're doing it for other people and for films and this and that, you are still writing selfishly. Yes. 
If you have a question or comment for our hosts or a topic you'd like us to cover, send us an email at writingroots at aspenhousepublishing.com or find us on Facebook by searching for Aspen House Publishing. 